everyone, and welcome to another awesome episode of Cisco Champions Radio. Today, we are discussing IoT and a bunch of other awesomeness with Tim Zagetti, <laughs> Bernhard, and Darren. Tim, why don't you kick us off? Get, uh, who are you, what do you do in a nutshell? Well, I don't know what you in did in a nutshell. nutshell. <laughs> no, I spent a lot of time in a nutshell, Lauren. That's, that's actually... That's where we change light bulbs, right? <laughs> that's exactly it. So, you know, I am nuts, so it's good that I, uh, you know... But in the best way possible. Such. I hope so, I hope so. So, I, I'm a principal technical marketing engineer. I've been an architect in EN for the last 20 years, and now I've been uh, taking on a new role in IoT, and this is very... Uh, adjacent to the work we've been doing because we're extending the enterprise into non-carpeted areas like manufacturing, transportation, or industry-specific environments. There's a whole world out there beyond the office, and so it's a very exciting and, and explosive place to be right now. Awesome, yeah. we'll get to the explosives in one <laughs> second. Bernhard, tell us about you. Who are you, what do you do? I am a collab engineer at heart, so I've been doing voice for a long time. And, I'm and we here. can hear you. You can hear us? With the voice going, uh, Okay, <laughs> that, that flew right over my head. <laughs> okay, Lauren won, Bernhard Zero. Um, and I'm here with my company. We have a little booth in the world of solution. Always excited to be at Cisco Life. Awesome, Darren. Hi, yeah, I'm uh, Darren Falwell. I'm a network architect, so I'm the boring network design guy <laughs> who does all the, uh, hooks everything together. But obviously, um, really keen to, to see what's new and happening. So uh, IoT is a big part of the future, so I'm just glad to be here. Awesome, so Tim, in a, a 40,000 foot view, what is currently exploding with awesomeness? <laughs> exploding with awesomeness. Uh, we've just released two products uh, today, mm -hmm. uh, just about a, an hour or two ago, so we're very excited to tell you about them. But to maybe give a little context, uh, I'd like to talk about the biggest challenges in IoT. What do you guys think are the biggest challenges? Uh, well, there's the obvious stuff about security and yep. uh, um, I guess the reach of the network to make sure you, you can get to devices. Help me out I, here. I, I would say as well, just the pure scale of the deployment, right? Yeah. Because uh, as I've said, if, if I make a mistake or if I do something hastily and I do it five times, I can still fix that afterwards. If I have thousands of devices, yeah. I need to get it right or have a lot of time afterwards. There you and, go. And they need to be somewhere you can get their hands on them, right? A absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, well you guys have hit the three key ones right on the awesome. head because security, top of mind. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about many reasons why. Uh, scalability, uh, the sheer number of devices. There's tens of billions of these yeah. devices coming online every year. We don't even know the latest numbers because it's, it's that large. That so if we don't have a scalable, easy to manage solution here that allows for, hey, if I need to make a change and I make a mistake, you know, how do I deal with all that? To your point, Bernard. And then finally, there's also flexibility. There's so many use cases in IoT. It could be in a manufacturing environment, it could be transportation, it could be on a bus or uh, uh, a ship or some other railway uh, car, or it could be out in extreme environments, uh, monitoring and monitoring gas or pipelines sure. or whatnot. There's, there's thousands or millions of use cases, so we have to have flexible solutions as well. And so these are the three key areas that our new products have been engineered specifically engineered to um, address flexibility, scalability, and security. So I'd like to cool. talk about each of them. How does yeah, that yeah. sound, guys? Yeah, sounds great. Yeah? Okay, yeah. cool. So I know this is a podcast, 
And with a podcast, it's you know audio only, but I couldn't resist or help myself <laughs> bringing a bag of goodies, a small bag, but in my bag, I got the new uh, Cisco IR1101 router. It actually fits in the palm of my hand, as you guys see right That's here. Astonishing. But, you have very and, big hands. <laughs> very big hands. Oh my. Very big, but gentle, okay? So uh, just give me that. And then we nice. have also an IE3000 series uh, compact rugged eye switch. So, um, you know, it, very small form factors, yeah. as you can see. Yeah. But I want to talk first about how this gives you great flexibility. Okay. First of all, flexibility in deployment environments. These are built to extreme temperature uh, conditions. Like a catalyst switch <laughs> lives a very, very cushy life. He lives in a data center that's <laughs> air conditioned, you know, and it's got, it's very secure, doesn't have to worry about being, you know, physically assaulted. Uh, and also is you know temperature controlled. I don't know about you, but I've seen them in conditions where they're yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes yeah. Yeah. yeah well looked after. But uh, yeah, obviously you know your point? Uh, yeah, yeah, not quite as as extreme as these. Oh guys, yeah, exactly. And so like one of those a catalyst switch, for instance, won't boot up if it's below freezing. Absolutely, yeah, right. it'll just you know it has to have that ambient temperature, whereas these will go all the way down to 40 degrees below okay. zero Celsius, oh. which happens to so be 40 degrees below. So you could even deploy them in Canada. <laughs> I can even deploy them in my home country of Canada. You know, so it'll work there. And also they go up to 60 degrees Celsius um, external temperatures, which is over 140 degrees Fahrenheit. So you could so deploy them in my home country. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> right. Oh, hang on. So basically there's no place on the entire okay. planet that's too hot. The hottest ever recorded temperature ever on planet Earth is 134 degrees Celsius. So there's no place that these can't go. So tremendous amount of flexibility that way. Wait, what about the volcanoes like at the bottom? Oh, okay, okay, a volcano, sorry. an active I thought you volcano really with okay. a, like But like at the bottom lava. of the ocean where the there little, we go. An, okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. That's, that's a fair point. You know, I actually had that in the back of my mind, like, oh, what if I get into trouble with that statement and somebody brings up volcanoes? <laughs> and sure enough. Sure enough. You of all people, out, you're right. Right. Like the marketing person breaks the marketing. Sorry, <laughs> okay, go back it's to discussing no, stuff. It's all good, <laughs> love it. Um, also, let's talk for a instance about power. This little guy, uh, this IR1101 that I'm holding in my hand, takes 10 watts. Right. So if you think about, for instance, our traditional incandescent light bulbs, it'd be running at 100 watts. Just one light bulb, this is one-tenth of that power draw. And so if in a very remote location where your you know, power is a premium, maybe mm. you're running off a small little solar panel, it can live there, it can function there, and it can do everything that its big brother ISRs can do, right. but in the small form factors and with a very light power drop. And it also so, helps, I guess, if these extreme environments, if I have to have battery backup for a certain yes. amount of time, it's good. It'll last that much longer. Yeah. And I guess these, this guy runs IOSXE or... Yeah, does it, does that's it? the beauty of it Amazing. too. So these okay. new platforms, exactly, you hit the nail on the head, Darren, they run IOSXE. So that talks to your scalability, for instance, because sure. now with the same programmable interfaces that you have in your regular Catalyst okay. platforms and ISR platforms, you have all of that flexibility for automation, for uh, telemetry, streaming telemetry for your analytics, and therefore you can manage them the same way. For instance, these, these boxes can be managed through Cisco DNA Center. So you have that single pane of glass view for not only your uh, regular enterprise, your carpeted workspace and data centers and whatnot, but then you also have the same tool monitoring and extending your policies, intent-driven policies, 
uh, right to your IoT edge. So it's a tremendous amount of operational flexibility that we've introduced. Because that, that's what I've seen in the past in projects, that when you got into these more ruggedized environments, yeah, yes. you need to get, you, or a lot of times you needed to get a third party vendor, yeah. Yeah, and at some point that just bites you yeah. in the behind because yeah. you don't have the flexibility of iOS. That's there. right. Yeah. And, and then now you need all new tools, you need yeah. all new skill sets, et cetera, whereas if it's like consistent end-to-end, -end, and think of what that means. That means we can have an intent-based network all the way from our data center via ACI that's now integrating into our <laughs> volcano to our enterprise with the integration with DNA Center, and now you can extend that intent all the way to right. your IoT edge, wherever that edge may be. So that's a tremendous amount of operational flexibility, security, scalability that's uh, been offered there. And also let me talk about even the flexibility in like expansion modules. There's, there's no one size fits all for IoT. It's in manufacturing, it's like in transportation, it's in building control systems. So when you have to expand, like say my switch here, like um, I come with eight ports, it could be, you know, POE or non-POE, if I need another four, or I, if I need another eight or 16, I just drop on an expansion module, no problem. It's like Lego, okay. it's mix you and match. You can stack them, they're I can beautiful. Stack, stack them, uh, put them on, I can also have combinations like I believe this one here is a combination of 14 copper ports and two right. fiber uplinks. So whatever I need, I can just you know mix and match and add on and I'm good to go. So I have a tremendous amount of flexibility there. Or in my IR routers, if I want to add on, uh, I have hot swappable modules for the different okay. connections. So right now we might be running 3G or 4G. Right. 5G's right around the corner. Rather than having to upgrade hardware, I just hot swap a module and I got a new 5G connection. I can also add this extension module and now I have dual connections. So I could have radio redundancy to the same carrier or I could be connected to two different carriers to give me carrier redundancy, which is tremendously powerful because uh, the carrier ranges sometimes don't overlap completely and you might only be able to you know, get one signal or the other, but they're all they're always active-active, so sure. it's not hot standby. Right. You know, you're making full use of this. So again, a real amount of flexibility. That's very cool. Also, like if I, one more point on um, flexibility is that they run IOX, so you can have your own uh, you IoT applications, applications on the box, on probably, the box nice. itself for fog computing and distributed wherever else you want. So you, again, okay. you've got a platform for tremendous flexibility. And finally, you know, I really want to talk about security. Like, we mentioned that these don't live in the data center that's just guarded by badge access, yeah. right? All you need to access one of these little guys is a crowbar, <laughs> right? And so once you have that access, you not only have access to the device, but also the media. And so how do you like secure yourself yeah. in those environments, especially when, for instance, IoT is a commonly exploited attack vector. Like I'm sure you guys heard a few years ago when Target got hacked, and 110 million customers' confidential data was lost in that breach. Sure, yeah. And where did they come in? Their heating, ventilation, air conditioning systems, because these were not segmented or isolated. Similarly, last year, um, North American Casino got hacked through a thermometer in the fish tank at the front lobby. <laughs> and Wait, so I missed this, that one. That's no, fascinating. Yeah, and it's like okay, <laughs> you can't. Pre and it's like, but you know, I, I've seen this. This happens all the time at companies, especially now with these IoT devices. Someone just said, "We need to put this device in for yeah. whatever." We have a connected cooler. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. We put this device in, and then suddenly you're opening yeah, yeah, up. Right. 
the whole network because that's of it. it. That's yeah. what people don't realize. It's not just that you need connectivity, you need secure yeah, connectivity. Secure, yeah. And that's what we offer with our solution, especially because we support SDA. Yeah. And this is probably the best ever use case for SDA. Because for instance, with just like a drag and drop in DNA Center, I can create a virtual network for my IoT devices. I can do, that's called micro, macro segmentation, high level segmentation. I make a virtual network, put all my IoT devices in that. Yeah. They're completely isolated, logically isolated from the rest of my network. They can be isolated even from the internet. You know, there's some times where you don't need some of these devices to be talking to the internet. It's just internal systems, you can do that. Further, you can have another layer, and just doing that simple step alone, which takes all of like a minute, not even a minute, less than a minute to do, it's drag and drop in DNA Center. Yeah. Um, that would have prevented those hacks for Target or a casino that I mentioned or what have you. That's simple step alone. But we can go even a deeper level. We can do what's called micro-segmentation. So we can set up rules that say, okay, if this particular switch has got uh, cameras plugged into it, as well as badge readers, as well as maybe some sensors, as maybe some, some other devices, I could say that those devices can't talk to each other. Because what business, for instance, would a badge reader have or an talking HVAC to, system yeah. talking to a CCTV. security camera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whereas often when these get exploited, that's one of the first things that they're commanded to do, remotely controlled to do, is to sweep and scan and try and talk to every device it can to look for vulnerabilities. What we're basically been able, are able to do with that is kind of apply the same security techniques we have developed for DMCs over the year yes. at the edge, and that's yes. very interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And also to make it so much more scalable, yeah. because if you think about the traditional way of doing this kind of segmentation, you've got to create VLANs for everything. And then if, uh, if the VLANs are in different places, you have a very tough decision, right? You've got that pinch point thing, haven't you, where you need to, to route your traffic into one place where yeah. you can then manipulate it in some way. Right. Whereas you want to be doing that, I guess as far out as possible in the network at the edge of the network, right? Exactly, right? Because then either you got into a real predicament that I stretch my VLANs and yeah, I have to yeah. talk to somewhere else right. uh, and then that leads to really brittle designs because then if I have stretched VLANs and I, I'm opening myself up to the threat of broadcast storms bringing down my entire network, entire network. layer two, exactly. or I have tons and tons of access lists now because then the, the only way that I can identify yeah. these devices or things would be by specific subnets to correspond to those VLANs, and now my access list gain complexity, they're already in the thousands in many of our customers' deployments, thousands of lines of ACLs, and now with all of these billions of devices coming online, it comes Just, sheer yeah. unmanageability. Unmanageable completely. You need scalable group tags, you need software-defined access, yeah. that's the optimal use case is here in this IoT environment. It's, it's so so the, the IE switches, right? Um, SD access extension is this? Right, so there's three um, IE switches that uh, we just released. There's um, IE 3200, which is a standalone. What I've brought with me here is a 3300, which as I've been demonstrating is modular, I can yeah. add on. And this is supported for the SDA extended fabric role. Okay. But then there's also a 3400 switch, which has advanced hardware. And um, that is not only supported in the extended node, but also as a fabric edge. Fantastic. So that's that's, that's hardware ready for right? fabric. That's yeah, huge because yeah. you know the extended node basically you you create VLANs and then you trunk the VLANs to the uh, fabric edge switch yep. and then it's encapsulated and that's where you're with the VXLAN the and the yep. SGT and the VNIDs. But this 
um, you know, so that's support on 33, but the 34 will actually extend the fabric edge all the way to the IoT edge. That's the most secure solution. Um, uh, and also there's one more important security element there too, is that the 33 and 34 support MaxSec. So as I mentioned, like if I'm a, if I'm a rogue player, right, I get my crowbar, I pry open a cabinet, and I can have physical access to the media. And I can plug in whatever device I want, maybe in line as a tap, and start probing the network, and you know, gain you know, uh, security of vulnerability there. Whereas with MaxSec, uh, you know, at the hardware level, I'm not able to do that. So another- you can't join the network. Exactly. Uh, there you the go. encryption keys and yes, so on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So awesome. another element of security that's built in uh, uh, to these platforms. Amazing. Yeah. No, well, that well, that addresses the the, the three challenges, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, from a scalability point of view and everything, you know, are there um, any limitations as you think about with these, or how you know how you would connect them back into the fabrics themselves? Is there, I don't know, what, what uh, how would you how would you architect the network, I guess, to to bring these in? Well, basically, you would architect your network just like you would any other SDA deployment. And then the, the numbers of devices that are managed are going to be a, a limitation or a function of uh, the DNA center appliance that you're using. And mm -hmm. they have now different scales of appliances. It can even go up, the first DNA center appliance would scale up to 25,000 clients. Um, and as such, you know, if you need more and more devices, you can extend that with um, with your increased hardware. Yeah, I guess there's there's something to think about there, I suppose, with the the numbers of IoT. Yes. If you're now pushing the edge right out yes. to, to that point, you need to worry about the endpoints being the IoT devices themselves, exactly, rather than this potential gateways and, or. And these deployments can get very quickly, very very fast, yeah. get very large, very, big, very, very quickly. Fast, yeah. I'll give you one example, like for instance, um, well I'll give you two examples. I'm from um, Vancouver, BC, and our local um, BC Hydro, which provides the power for the province, was one of the flagship case studies for IoT because we automated all the meters. So you didn't have to have a person coming out to your house to read all the meters. We were reading two million meters you know, and so tens of thousands of intermediary network devices required to support that. Or another use case study, uh, our local transit company wanted to enable Wi-Fi on buses, okay? That, that was yeah, a yeah. basic use case. And this is how these use cases typically go. They start with simple connectivity, something very simple. Then they realize once you have connectivity, actually, let me back up, secure connectivity, yeah, as we already talked yeah, about. Yeah. Once you have secure connectivity, you've got a ton of new opportunities available. So for instance, they just wanted to provide guests, passengers on buses to have Wi-Fi as a nice courtesy service, right? But then they realized, hey, now that we have secure connectivity to our buses, suddenly 2,000 buses have got routers on them, mobile routers are going around. So again, the scale just went up yeah, yeah. by 2,000 network devices, but then, they're like, okay, they're connected. Now we, very, within a few months, they had five different networks running on every single bus. There was a right. network to monitor all the engine and the mechanics and the temperatures and, and things like that to make sure the buses are good. Uh, another network was the fare ticketing system, you know, as the people are paying at the front of the thing. Um, passenger counters as people are getting on and off. IP video surveillance to improve the physical security. And then finally we got like the bus network for wireless itself. So, you know, all of And all of those things got to be kept separate. Yeah. And, and They're separate. 
And I then, sorry. I think what you see with that is that IoT is just something that really touches the different businesses and areas, and people get ideas because yeah. they can solve real business yeah. things. Because I, one of my customers is the, the municipality of my home city. Yeah. I talked with a guy and their final goal is actually to have all the garbage bins yeah. connected at some point. Yes, and there's one yeah. of those. Barcelona did that actually yeah. a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. That was one of the IoT examples, yeah, at the yeah. IoT World Forum. And so like they were able bin. to smart, you know, smartly do trash collection because that way they didn't have to, you know, they save lots of money. Anyways, go ahead, sorry. And because we're, yeah. we are always kind of saying, yeah, now they've got five networks, but why are they doing that? Because they can solve their challenges. And That's right, and then new possibilities emerge, because as soon as they did that, all these routers are also GPS enabled, and now you have all the GPS data, not right. just for your own operations, that so you can look at a screen and see where all the buses are, but share that with the customer. Yeah, because then they can just pull up their smartphone, and then and say, hey, when is the next bus coming? And then just like an Uber experience, they'll see that, okay, the next <laughs> bus is going to be three minutes away, and it's a great value to them, too, because it's one thing to wait when you have no idea how long you're waiting, it's another when you know what to expect based on real-time data. You've just got a fantastically new, valuable customer experience you've delivered. And then all these new ideas come from that. It's like, okay, now what, what can we do with the bus stops themselves? Hey, let's start putting video surveillance there. Let's enable Wi-Fi for our customers that are waiting for the buses outside. We could have even streaming uh, digital uh, signage, so advertisements yeah, yeah, yeah. that could potentially be even linked to the profile of the customer that's using the app and says, oh, okay, you know, Tim here is using the app, he's a male, he's in his 40s, he loves cars, I'm going to have all the nice, nice, nice car advertisements. Let's <laughs> also transmit all of this unencrypted, that's a good idea, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you, you want to have all of that. Spaces, right? yeah. and, and some of that kind of Kind yeah, exactly. of comes into this. Yeah, so yeah. it just Amazing. it starts with that connectivity, and then the use cases just keep secure connectivity, and then the use cases <laughs> keep evolving from there. So it's just yeah. very exciting. We're scratching the surface of what we can do here. Sure. Right. What's the weirdest use case you've seen, if any, that you're allowed <laughs> to talk about? Oh, the weirdest use case. Or oh. unique, or like one that surprised you. Oh, okay, well, surprised me is different, but I, I, I wouldn't say this is weird, and I'll go back to a local example. Um, at the University of British Columbia, which is just a few miles from my house. Um, it's uh, the third largest university in Canada. We have like 60,000 full-time students, 100,000 uh, extended. And uh, they uh, came up with an, an innovative IoT solution for heating. Apparently, if you're not aware, in Canada, it can get quite cool oh, in the winter. So they tell me. And it costs a lot to heat, especially these old buildings that sometimes right. you have oh, yeah. in universities. It's very expensive. And if there's no students in the classrooms, it's a waste of money, right? So they combined, for instance, um, analytics for uh, location-based Wi-Fi. It's like, okay, where are the students? Because the students walk into a, a classroom, they associate with Wi-Fi immediately, you know exactly how many clients there are and therefore where the students are, you heat those rooms, rather than timer-based controls and whatnot, you know, and then they're heated based on where the people are, and when the people aren't there, they reduce the heat. Yeah. Within you know, the first year, they were saving over $200,000 a year on heating costs, and so you know, uh, it's not a weird use case, it's a valuable um, asset uh, use case, operational efficiency use case, but it was very innovative to, yeah, yeah. to embed IT-based information and analytic systems with IoT sensors so and this controls. Is, this, I guess, is drawing data that's already there yeah. in, in the system, right? right? On the wireless controller. It's all available or, or via APIs. It's all there. 
Yeah. That's it. Drag it out through APIs, right? And just combine it with other data from somewhere else. Yeah. And that's that's the magic that's IoT. Exactly. And that's where you really get that sense of possibility. It's saying, yeah, yeah. what else can we do if we, oh, if only we knew this, hey, there's a source of that. And we yeah, can get we can that find real that time. information from Yeah, and just and connect such. it. Yeah, yeah. It's very exciting. That's awesome. So, okay, I wanted to ask you before we wrap up. Yeah. Um, so you, you recently changed from networking for 20 years. <laughs> I'm still in networking. Well, no, explosive network. Yeah. What prompted the change? Oh, well, something new, like you, as you know, um, uh, Lauren, I, I'm a principal technical marketing engineer, and I've been, doing, I've been doing enterprise for 20 years, so we've done a lot of work in the enterprise. I did QoS for a very long time, and you know, we've spent the last five years architecting uh, DNA, and we've done work for application policy, and DNA assurance, and so you know, doing something completely new is very valuable to me. I want to continue to progress towards becoming distinguished. TME, I have some of my colleagues like Dave Zaks, Matt Faulkner, uh, and many others, you know, that you know I, I worship, not worship, but they're they're big fans kidding? of my I, I wanna okay. I wanna walk in their footsteps. So being a showing that adaption and uh, flexibility and taking on new technical challenges is a very important part of uh, that process. For me, yeah. just looking at what you're talking about here, that this is a natural development of everything yeah. that's gone before, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Really just taking it to the next level. Very good. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's like I say, it's exploding. We had some great announcements just now, and there's just so much work to do that it's a very exciting place to be. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thank, thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Bernard. Thanks, Bernard. Thanks, Bernard. Thanks. You guys were great. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. And uh, oh, this has been another awesome episode of Cisco Champions Radio. I'll see y'all <laughs> next week. Woo! Bye.